Welcome to SEC Football Live here, of course, on a Tuesday. That is SEC Mike. I am Braden Gall here on the 440 Sports Network. Good to have you, my man. We've got uh, a thing, lots of things to discuss today. So we were going to do an entire show today about the most important position groups in the conference and kind of go look at every team. And we're still going to do that for most of the show today. We will look at the most important position groups. There's certainly plenty of them across the conference that will decide the 2024 race with new 16-team, 12-team playoff, no division uh, structure that's coming, man. It's going to be crazy. So we're going to get into that. But we got some NCAA violation stuff to get to here on the front end. And I think a larger conversation about what it means for every team in the SEC. Michael, good to see you, my friend. How are you, buddy? I was doing well till I found out uh, Tennessee's maybe uh... – God, will they even make the play? They're going to be the number one team in the country now. They're going to be ineligible for the playoff. You know what? Stop it. Stop it. Uh, all right. Here is the lead of the article as reported uh, by Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated. The University of Tennessee is immersed in another NCAA investigation of potential rules violations that is, quote, major in nature. Sources tell Sports Illustrated the case involves multiple sports and includes scrutiny of name, image, and likeness, NIL benefits, for athletes, this, of course, coming off the heels of the Pruitt stuff and everything. So there's a lot of things to get into here, and there's not a lot of details. We don't know a ton of details about what's actually happening. Uh, I've reached out to some folks in Knoxville. I have not gotten any details myself. Uh, it is there, there, there are none to be had right now, Mike. It is a lot of different sports, potentially. NIL, uh, all the stuff that they were guilty of under Jeremy Pruitt that they intentionally, of course, wanted to show the NCAA – that made it look like it was the worst infraction of all time or whatever. That was all on purpose, of course, to not pay him anything. But all that stuff, for example, would have been illegal in under current NCAA investigation. So uh, just major is not a word that is thrown around lightly in these reports. When you see minor violations, everyone just goes, all right, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? But when you see the word major uh, and it involves NIL, I, there's a lot of reactions I have, but I want to get yours first. What was your What's your first reaction seeing it in real time? Yeah, that's called clickbait, Braden. Uh, that's why that those words are being used. Major, I mean, hell, like you said, there's no details, but it's major. What what the hell are we talking about here? Who gets in trouble for NIL? I thought NIL was legal now. So A lot of people just, are getting in trouble for NIL. They're just trying to bring a, a good man down. Josh Heupel's never done anything wrong in his life. Nico, nicest man in the <laughs> quarterback position you, in the SEC. Uh, I mean, this this is this is ridiculous, Braden. I can't I can't stomach this nonsense. Now, the Florida one that made sense because Jaden Rashada, oh, we all know what. Right, but sure, th no, sure, Tennessee, they're sure. they're trying to bring him down. But no, it's sure. funny you you look at the mentions. It's like if you're if you're not a Tennessee fan, you're like, this is the end. And then all the Tennessee people are like, nothing to this. But it's. I've, that's sports fandom right there. I mean, we yep. nobody has any information. We're all overreacting or we're, we're either overreacting or saying no big deal at all. So uh, I, I don't know what the hell, but it, it is kind of funny how it seems like every three to five years, Tennessee is in the crosshairs of, of some investigation. So well, I have to admit it myself. It's it, This seems to be a coach-by-coach uh, <laughs> coach, uh, allegations here. Well, and we uh, the, so that's part of this is how much does the NCAA look at past stuff? And I would hope that Tennessee gets a bit of a pass since the coach, Josh Heupel, and the athletic director, Denny White, were not involved in the previous stuff. Dondi Plowman kind of overlaps a little bit and is a part of this, but she also wasn't in charge when Jeremy Pruitt was hired. So I think there's going to be some leeway there. But I think this is all there's a couple of different stories here. There's one about Tennessee. And is there something specific here? Like somebody, Michael said this best. I said, welcome to the investigation club, Tennessee, Florida, and Florida State welcomes you. If you are an assistant coach 
driving a kid to a meeting with an NIL collective or a booster, that is technically against the rules. And so therefore a guy got, I think an assistant coach got suspended for a couple of games or whatever. Uh, that, that to me strikes me as minor. Uh, that's like the cream cheese on the bagel thing for Oklahoma year, years back before they all got free food. Major is a different term. And it's, it's obviously a term that's given to sports illustrated by someone with knowledge. There is no notice of allegation yet to the university of Tennessee, but I think there's a bigger story here, which is the NCAA doesn't fully know, like the rules in every state are different for NIL. There are some boundaries that you cannot cross. You can't just drop bags of cash in McDonald's bags for, for players. That's still against the rules. And so there's there's a chance that somebody's doing something wrong here. You don't just get major violations across 11 sports potentially without something happening. Um, but I also don't think the NCAA is in a position to monitor or manage NIL in particular. And what I've been told is that we should expect this for a lot of schools moving forward. Like NIL came around and we didn't know how to handle it. And so it just, people just sort of made their own rules, right? Every state made their own rules. And we've sort of been operating in this disjointed, you know, set of guidelines. And we're starting to see the reins get pulled back a little bit. Florida state, then Florida, now Tennessee. If I'm Ole Miss, if I'm Texas, if I'm Texas A&M, if I'm Missouri, I'm, I'm, I'm checking everything out because I think the NCAA is going to try to do some sort of jerking of the reins here. Does that make sense? I guess, but uh, who, who in the hell listens to them? Why would they? I don't think people understand this, Braden. They, they've got not, they have literally nothing to do, to my knowledge, with college football. They basically run a basketball tournament. I mean, the, the, the ones that, super, that, that oversee Tennessee and, and Florida and all these teams, it's the SEC. And the SEC, I don't think, has to get – they don't have to listen to a damn thing the NCAA says when it comes to football and investigations and, and sanctions and things of that nature. Am, am I wrong on that? I think so um, because Alabama is the NCAA. Tennessee is the NCAA. The NCAA is merely a collection of universities. And to your point, they don't own the college football playoff. But football is sanctioned underneath the NCAA. Like the universities are part of the NCAA. So absolutely they could – hammer a university, keep them out of a playoff, for example. And I, I have no, nobody has any clue if what Tennessee is or didn't do is, is rises to the level of that type of punishment. But the NCAA is Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Auburn. That, that, that's what the NCAA is. They're the same thing. But the I university, think the SEC supersedes that. The NCAA and, and the University of Tennessee is the NCAA. They're the same thing. They're also the, the SEC. No question. But the offices of the NCAA – are just sort of like this offshoot. It's like this little group of like 25 people in a room. Like now they have to hire people like on a temp status to do these investigations. Ultimately, this is the, like in my opinion, I think we need to broaden out from Tennessee and just say, this is ultimately where we were going to end up no matter what with NIL and all the tampering that's going on with, of course you can't stop people from having communication with boosters and collectives that want to pay players, which they deserve to get like, if you have 50 different states doing 50 different rules with all these different schools operating under different guidelines, we were, we were of course going to end up in a place where somebody trying to do some oversight is going to try to do something about something. And they just, I don't, I think you're right that we don't know what they can do, but they absolutely have jurisdiction over, over every school in the sec. There's no question about that. And don't they, when they have these NIL agreements, so aren't they all, um, what's the term here? Uh, like, private uh, non-disclosure yeah. i mean you can't discuss it yeah. they don't have they don't have any rights to 
to look at the contract or contact a collective and say turn over. I mean, the collective would just tell them to go to hell. Yeah, and that is also part of the problem. The, the, to your point, the collectives don't have to like it's so it's everything is behind uh, a closed door when it comes to the details, right? Like we don't have any proof that Nico is the eight million dollar man, right? Like we we have we have guesses and sort of like hints and innuendos, but we don't we don't really <laughs> the NCAA has jurisdiction over Mike's internet, it would seem. Um, I I think that's part of the problem. Like all of this is leading to to more clarity and and more. Um, like I don't think ten, so. Tennessee being embarrassing. I, I don't think this is about Tennessee as much as it is now. Maybe it comes out that they were just so egregiously, ridiculously breaking the rules that it's got to be something. But I I would be worried if I'm any school that's doing NIL well, and that's not just SEC schools. That's Oregon. That's Ohio State, Tech, Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Ole Miss, A and M. They're all using NIL really well. And they're, the reason that Kentucky was slow on the uptick, the reason Alabama was slower to do this stuff was out of caution. And I, I don't know. I think that's what you're seeing is like there's some overcorrection happening right now. And I just wonder who gets caught up in that. And it sounds like you can't just write off major uh, uh, infractions as a potential clickbait article. <laughs> Ooh, twist here. Kiffin Ooh, I like this. Tennessee. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Kiffin would turn in his own kids. But then won't he get busted for it? I don't know. Did Mississippi State get in trouble for turning Cam Newton? <laughs> no, I mean for all the surely they're they're not doing the hell they're they're getting commitments and then guys flipping. You know what I mean? Like via NIL. So that, there's got to be some shenanigans at Ole Miss. Uh, there, there, there cannot. There's not not shenanigans at any of these places that are using the collective. But but some of this the NCAA will not. To your point, um, Jay Ford says who holds the NCAA accountable that they are going to, they have lost. Congress is, is the only one that can do it. And Congress. Oh God, you're sounding like these damn coaches now. Congress has no chance of organizing itself at any point to, to solve this problem. They don't even understand this problem. And so ultimately this is, this is actually the NCAA's fault that they could have fixed this 30 years ago. They could have fixed it five years ago. It is ultimately their fault. It doesn't mean that school X, Y, and Z didn't break rules and commit major violations across 12 sports or whatever. But it is ultimately their fault for not getting their shit in line, not getting it all organized, bringing it above board when they could have, and and making it just clear and transparent and regulated and normal, because they deserve the kids deserve to get paid anyway. So I don't. I, this is their fault ultimately. Even if Tennessee broke the rules, it's still the NCAA's fault ultimately. Tennessee fans are gonna blame Pat Forty. I just found out he was. Well, so the he's the one. Sh- that's the dumbest shit ever, though. So I don't want to hear that crap. He's guilty. It's he fine. just hates Tennessee. Well, if you got treated the way he did, I would I wouldn't like the fans either. So, um, I got treated the same way. I literally I love all you fans. <laughs> I got no, I got treated the same way, man. I was on local radio here in Nashville when when that whole thing went down, and I was like, this is like I I was like I almost quit the business because <laughs> it was so it was so awful. Um, we never got to adjudicate if Greg Shiano was good or not. We never even got to have that conversation. We just went right to child molestation and accusing people of ridiculous things. Um, and doxing our athletic director's cell phone number, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it's just like the most ridiculous shit ever. Um, ultimately, again, if I'm Ole Miss, if I'm A&M, I think this, we're going to get more of this stuff, I think. From what I understand, <laughs> from what I understand. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, guys, I put it on a T for you. I put it on a T for you. <laughs> God, I remember sitting down drinking beer going, that was exhausting two weeks of radio. 
<laughs> bring it up. Let's bring it back. Oh, uh, please don't. <laughs> I don't want to go to more therapy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> ultimately, I, I just would be, I think this is going to still keep happening. That's all. That's, I think, what people need to know. From what I understand, there are going to be more of these. And it's not just Tennessee. It's not just Florida. It's not just Florida State. It's 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 going to keep coming. So wait, so but what was because I I don't pay attention to Florida State. What they got in some trouble, right? But it, I mean, it was like in, completely insignificant, wasn't it? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but they only got that was not considered. I don't believe that was considered major investigation uh, or or violation or whatever. I, was it? The, wasn't that the assistant coach who like drove a kid to meet with a booster? Right. And and like that's. Ultimately, that is something that is small, but I think he got a three-game suspension out of that. The assistant coach did, so that's not a small, insignificant thing. If you take, you know, so and so coach. Now, again, this seems from what from what I can what from what I would guess from the reporting of this mm -hmm. is that it is directed at a larger institutional thing. This is not like an assistant coach did something. This is like Spire Sports or whatever. You know what right. I mean? Like the Volunteer Club or whatever. Like this is big, overarching structural things that the NCAA is going, wait a second, you can't do that. And maybe they're right, but ultimately they created the situation. So uh, I would be, if I'm, I would be backlogging, checking texts, checking contracts. If I'm Ole Miss, A&M, Texas, Missouri, those are the ones we know are doing it really well. Uh, if I'm Kentucky, I'm not worried at all. <laughs> well, let me, let me just say this, because again, I have no knowledge. I don't want to besmirch anyone's name, but they're already saying it in the comments. They're saying this has got to do with with Nico. And again, I have no knowledge. Nobody has any idea that, that that's true or not. But let's say worst case for Tennessee. Let's say the NCAA does something here and, and tries to enforce something, or tries to make him ineligible, or or all, you know whatever they would try to do. Couldn't he just take him to court in California because that's where he lives, and that's where if this happened, that's where this happened and i mean how quickly is a california court going to side with the ncaa you, you must I'm, have me confused for a lawyer <laughs> well just the point being was what the hell's the point of all this they're they're just going to get destroyed don't doesn't doesn't the ncaa just get destroyed at every turn in all these court cases in the court stuff yes eventually eventually they do and 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 uh johnny south says maybe this will get kids from hopping around and show some darn loyalty instead of chasing money no what we'll do he's right that this this is eventually where we're going to go but it's about revenue sharing and employee status when you're an employee and you get revenue sharing in a collectively bargained agreement that is when you can make players play in bowl games that's when you can say that they have to c complete their two-year contract or their three-year contract i i could see absolutely four-year contracts in the works for players if you're going to be an employee and you get paid money to do your job you can you can stipulate terms of those contracts and that is what's coming from from all of this we're, we're going to be where like tennessee is going to go all right nico you need to sign a three-year contract with an option year for a fourth year worth two million dollars a year and you're gonna have to play at the university of tennessee and you need to play in the spring game and all the bowl games and that's going to be written into the contract that that's where this is all headed it's not gonna it's not going to be ncaa violations keeping kids from taking money not one of you commenters wouldn't take the money by the way all of you would take the money i would take the money we all take the money <laughs> Every, everyone yeah. takes everyone takes the bag but you can put stipulations on a contract when it becomes a contract. And that's what we're headed towards. A lot of Lone Star beer comments. I like seeing that. That's got me fired up. I want to go back to Texas. Get me some. Watching, they, uh, they probably have that in Nashville, don't they, Lone Star? Watching, watching all the True, True Detective episodes on HBO. <laughs> yeah. Every, every season of True Detective is filled with Lone Star beer. It's great. Um, 
worst case, a booster is cut off and assistant is suspended. That that's possible. I, I mean, I think the worst case is they go, you can't go to the playoff. I think that's the worst case. But that is real. You better have some really heavy, you know. And it sounds like it could be something for all 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 programs at Tennessee. That's the other concern. If it's just one booster doing one one something stupid, then it wouldn't be all twelve school, all twelve pro or eleven sports, would it? I don't know. There are eleven sports within. I mean, this just sounds stupid to me. There's only two sports, isn't there? Well, I guess yeah, baseball. They do baseball now too, but why, why, why would why would why would there not be women's basketball? Why would you not? Women women are making more NIL than than the men are across the board from like a per athlete standpoint. Like right, lady, so lady balls wearing lady balls on your chest is worth worth money for sure. So so that's four. So we still we still got. So you're telling me there's UT seven track others. And field UT track and field is really good. And they're committing major violations to help the track and field. Like that's I don't see this when we no, get the, when we go down this far. I feel I feel like this is all shenanigans because there's well, no way I, in hell there's eleven this sports. Is, this is what I'm saying. I think it's it's an infrastructure concern is what I'm guessing. It's not about a coach driving a player or a, 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 it's not about one thing. It's going to be about a structure. It's going to be about a mechanism, about an institution. Otherwise, it, it doesn't fall into major and it's not going to be a big deal. It won't be a big deal. I, I think the NCAA created this situation and schools took advantage of the situation that they found in front of them. And instead of asking for permission, they asked for forgiveness. And now we've reached the forgiveness portion of the program. That's it. I and forgive that, them. And if I'm Ole Miss, if I'm Texas A&M, if I'm Missouri who's pushed the boundaries on legislation because Missouri State Legislative House has given them free reign to do whatever they want, I'm just saying I'd be – I would. I think more of this stuff is coming. Maybe not at this level or whatever, but I think more of this is coming. There's a reason Florida got is, is got their little letter and Florida State got in trouble. Like I think a lot of this is coming, and, and it's just going to be – I think they're trying to get Billy Napier like, like they got Pruitt. You think Billy Napier's wife was dropping bags? No, just so they don't have to pay his buyout if, if they're awful this year. <laughs> I don't think their think violation. About it. I don't think the violations rise to that level. Pruitt was in a different place than all these things. They'll find a, some dirt on him. Pruitt was on a different. Oh, you can find dirt on all these guys. There's no question about that. Uh, okay, just I. I think the lesson is not about Tennessee. I think the lesson is about every team using NIL. You better better watch your back because. Well, for now, the NCAA has power. To your point, when Congress removes that power, it will be gone. But they got it right now. So, Hey, I, I know we were not planning to talk about this, I don't believe. But just real quick, I want to get your thoughts because I know you're a big Hugh Freeze fan. But I've seen a lot of people, you know, they they hired DJ Durkin and credit these Auburn fans. I, I, did not, I, I thought it would be 180 different uh, reaction to that. I thought they'd be like, Shut the hell up, stupid this, stupid that. That was long let, let ago. A, let a player but die. Now they're all like, Jesus, what are we doing here? Like, you would think a guy with this sketchy of a background will not hire an even sketchier background guy. It's, it seems like the vast majority of Auburn fans are not on board with that. And that's whether he's sketchy or not. Let's, you know, innocent till proven guilty. I get all that. But he's not even a good defensive coordinator. Why? Why are we? Yeah, go in this direction where A and M's, they're damn glad they don't have Durkin anymore. I, I'd say Ole Miss now is under significantly better hands and Pete Golding than when they had DJ Durk. I mean, what are yeah, we doing the, here? The story, and I, th I think ultimately that's the question I've always asked about Hugh Freeze, which is like, is it worth it? Right, like it's worth it. 
this is going to sound re- weird, but like it's worth it for Urban Meyer. Like you know you're going to get s- some shit. You know you're going to get some weird things are going to happen on campus, or he's going to overlook this, or like he's just kind of a piece of shit. But like you- you're guaranteed a championship run, right? <laughs> right. Aren't you guaranteed a championship? <laughs> So like this is what I never understood about Hugh Freeze in general. Like it's a there is risk involved in hiring Hugh Freeze. What has Hugh Freeze ever actually won, other than two games that you guys really love at Ole Miss? Like he also they beat lost, Arkansas. He also lost Liberty. to Memphis. Yeah, he missed, lost to Memphis. <laughs> lost to Randy Edsel and UConn. Like I either like this is not. I, that's always been my question. Like look at last year's staff at A and M. Right, Steve Adazio had similar type of questionable issues with the behavior in the office at Colorado state brought him onto the staff, Bobby Petrino. We know his background it brought him into the bottom into the comp and then DJ Durkin. And we were like, Oh, look at this coaching staff. No wonder it's not going to work. DJ, the DJ Durkin story, of course, and I'm not going to get into it was a player passed away tragically, unfortunately, when he was the head coach at Maryland. And I don't think we'll ever know hundred percent who, who did what, or who's at blame for what, or how much somebody's fault is or whatever. So, yeah, they're, they're going to hire Matt Canada next. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he doesn't have a, to my knowledge, a bad background. He just he has a he's bad background good. on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a, he's not a good coach. Uh, and <laughs> and there's a reason he's coached at like twelve different schools in thirteen years. Like, and the Pittsburgh Steelers fired him. Like, there's a there's a reason. I agree. I don't. I don't. It's just not worth it. That's my thing. Like, you can't find a better defensive coordinator. I don't know. I don't think it's that big is of a that, deal. Is but... that a bad sign for Auburn that they can't get anyone better than that? I, I, and I talked about this with Brandon Marcello and with Paul Feinbaum on the 440 Sports YouTube page. So go check that out. Didn't want to come to his coaching staff last year for a reason. Um, it wasn't because Hugh Freeze was forced to hire somebody. He couldn't get his buddy to come. Now he has. He's going to call plays, which I think is important. Um, Paul told me he's just exa- – he was like, I was with him. He was just exhausted. He's just tired of the, the different pace of football in 2024 – than it was then. And then there's like all this stuff with his coaching staff. One guy leaves to go here. One guy goes here. There's rumors about all these guys and the volatility has never changed at Auburn. And I'm just so shocked that there's volatility at Auburn under, you know? Yeah. It's a shocking development. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Do you want to get into our story today? Our, our real topic today? Let's do I, it. I want to discuss, and, and you guys can chime in with this position groups in the conference that you think are the most important, most interesting, most uh, how they develop is going to decide championships. Um, we're going to kind of go back and forth here and kind of talk through some of these these groups of, of players, these position groups, because, I mean, every team has strengths and weaknesses. We don't officially know what everybody's going to look like heading into August, of course, in camp. There's still going to be more roster turnover. And I assume a program like Alabama, Mike, is going to hit the portal hard in the next period and add a bunch of players uh, to maybe address some of their issues. But I, I want to start with Georgia because I'm not sure where to go here with them. <laughs> because uh, if you're asking who I'm concerned about, what position group I'm most concerned about or is most interesting or most important for Georgia, where do you go? What about receiver? Which I know they got a lot of guys. Here, here's the thing. Here's when I knew Alabama was in trouble. And I, I don't know why I was the only one seeing this, but it's, and it was not across the board by any means, but it, it seemed like they were so dependent on transfers coming in and, and hitting at critical positions like receiver, like the offensive line. And as soon as they didn't hit on a transfer, it, it, 
there was a major drop off. And I think I, I think we're starting to see that just at receiver at Georgia. Seems like every year they have to bring in two receivers. And they're signing nothing but five and four star receivers. Why are they not developing these guys? Why are they not starring in the SEC? That that's a little bit of a red flag for me. I, I would agree with you, but I think I need to see it longer than this because they, they I mean, Darnell Washington wasn't a transfer, neither was Brock Bowers, and those were the two sort those of those are tight ends, though. But, but they are the pass catching weapons on the teams that won national championships. And then Lad McConkey was very, very good, right? He was developed. Dominic Lovett, was he great? No. No, he wasn't. Um, so I, I think that's fair to ask that question, but I think you need to give him at least another season of showing us that they can do it before you say that I'm concerned. Like you're, the thing you're talking about with Alabama led to Nick Saban's retirement. <laughs> like Kirby smarts, not walking away because he misses on a few receivers at transfer. Right. Like a, I think he, he's going to, you got to give him a chance to see, fix the problem with, with his own guys over the next season. If they have nothing again this year and then the next year we can start to talk about, Hey, maybe they're, Todd well, Duncan was was I great mean, even even the second year they won the national championship when AD Mitchell went down, they they had no one that could stretch the field, and that's why they nearly lost to Missouri because they couldn't stretch the field. And again, this is we're picking apart a near flawless roster, right? So this is not like if <laughs> let's we were just talking Auburn. If Auburn had everything Georgia had, we'd oh, be yeah. like, my God, Auburn is. <laughs> Probably gonna win it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's yeah. but it's it's a different it's a different critique. But it's it's the same where like I I don't know how Georgia fans feel, but they probably feel like last year was a was a disappointment. Which for ninety nine point nine percent of the programs last season would not have been a disappointment. They didn't make the playoff. They didn't win the SEC. They do. They obviously went undefeated in the regular season. But the why I I'm not putting it all in the receivers, but. You need these guys to to win these crucial games, to win SEC championships, to win playoff games, and if you don't have it, you you'll get ex, you'll get exposed against a, a a team of equal or or near equal talent. Was it more on the defense the fourth quarter against Alabama? And I would also I would also point out I think they got unlucky that like Washington was a thing last year. Like Georgia, Georgia would have made the playoff almost every other year, and in any other year, I'm not sure I'm picking Georgia to lose another game. I think they win the national title. So, like, I understand Georgia's concern, but to your point, this is as near perfect a, an organization as you can pot. Like, there is no – they are the clear number one team in the nation coming into this season. They are the clear front runner to win the SEC. They are going to be picked by everyone in Dallas to win the SEC. I think it's worth noting, and I agree with you, if you're picking one area – when you lose McConkey and Lovett and Bowers, and then the year before you lose some of those pieces and the running backs have moved on as well, yes, you could say, what around Carson Beck do you have that is a definitive star? Certainly you cannot replace some of those names. But I, I'm just willing to give Kirby a chance here because I think, again, I think they would have made the playoff last year and maybe won the whole thing if it was any other year, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just a damn shame. It was the last year of the 14 playoff where we had – Essentially, six teams, I think, probably deserved it. You know what? So, Bo asked a question here for Texas A&M. We'll just go right to Texas A&M here because I think they're the line of demarcation between potential contenders for the playoff and, and teams that maybe aren't. But Bo says, for Texas A&M, the position group that needs to step up the most is clearly the secondary. That's interesting to me, and I'm curious if, if, if Bo would have an, a reaction to 
I mean, Cooper is gone. Their star middle linebacker, he's off to the NFL draft. They lost a bunch of guys in the portal on the defensive line. I think they lost another pass rusher to the NFL draft as well. Is the secondary a bigger concern to you than the front seven, the defensive line? Where are you at with Texas A&M? Because I do think this is the the team that is sort of straddles the line between the bottom tier of the conference in 2024 and, a, and potentially the top tier. Uh, I mean, f- f- the secondary just particularly late in the season, they were, they were just down bodies. I mean, they, they didn't yeah. have any, uh, you know, you could say the same thing for receiver too. So I don't ne- necessarily throw them into that category just because they were just devoid of, of, I was going to say talent, but, but it's literally what I said, body. I mean, they were devoid of, of bodies back here. So they got the guys. Yes. That's a question mark. But for me, I, th- I got confidence in Mike Elko to kind of, yeah. you know, it's not like he's going to wave a magic wand or anything. And it'll be fine, but I think it'll be significant improvement there. I'm more concerned about uh, offensive line in a new offensive system. We get our quarterbacks killed every year and, and literally, I mean, it's, it's a running joke at this point in time where guys are just uh, – we're losing quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks annually at A&M. So I think that's of, of more concern. We've got – that's the biggest thing I want to see corrected year one because they got talent, they got players, had to get rid of uh, god-awful Adazio there, <laughs> you know, get in a quality offensive line coach. And if we can steady the offensive line, I, I have – I have more confidence that the defense under Mike Elko will, will figure itself out. And, and I don't even know who's going to be playing back here. <laughs> uh, weepier. I think I got that right. I'm a Vanderbilt fan. We need our quarterback, running back, wide receivers, O-line, and probably the entire defense to step up <laughs> if we want to make a playoff push. I think we can do it. Uh, excellent, excellent comment there. I, I think, look, the best offense, the best Texas A&M did under Jimbo Fisher was the year he got the best offensive line play. And subsequently, the year they got the best offensive line play, they got their best quarterback play. Some of that was because Kellen Mond was a a veteran at that point. But that season was the year they finished fifth in the playoff rankings in 2020. So uh, I I think I think there's going to be, you know, quarterback is almost always the easiest answer for teams that have a battle coming into the spring. Offensive line is turning into like the new quarterback where you can just be like, yeah, that team's got a major question at offensive line. And almost almost all of them. Almost all of them that aren't on the top tier do have questions. Georgia, no questions at offensive line. So, yeah, no, I think that's fair. All right. I, I want to know I've got a, what team did you, of the teams that are contenders, like the top six, seven, eight teams or whatever, which one did you have the toughest time zeroing in on a particular position group? Because I haven't, I've, I've got an answer. Um, Does that question, you follow me on that? Yeah, but well, how about you list out your contenders first? Uh, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Ole Miss, Missouri, Tennessee, Oklahoma, LSU—that top half. Not Tennessee, huh? I said Tennessee. Oh, okay. thanks for listening. I, I mean, they—they just... they will be banned from the postseason for three years, but that's fine. Don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, pro- I mean, probably Texas and Oklahoma because I'm still trying to uh, figure them out. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't quite have. I, quite a feel for them like I do the others. I think Oklahoma's got a very er, er, easy one. So let's go Let's go to those two then. Because I actually, Ole Miss is the one that I had a difficult time with. So I want to get back to Ole Miss. But I think Oklahoma is it's very easy. And you've talked about it. I've talked about it. And yes, Purple Orca already. 
that all five starters gone along the offensive line. You have a quarterback in Jackson Arnold that people love. They think has got some elite upside. You've got a brand new coordinator. You've got weapons around the quarterback. The defense is actually going to be better probably than it was the year before with more Venables and and more and, and a change at coordinator. This ex- this schedule is so hard. It is almost exclusively about Seth Luttrell, Jackson Arnold, and the on the offensive line play. I found that one to be very easy from from an Oklahoma standpoint. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. You just kind of caught me there, but uh, I, I guess <laughs> I'm just saying that you know it's it's hard for me to aside from that one because everyone I speak to just had George Stoya on the on the show. I mean, he basically said the same thing. But um, yeah, I that makes sense. Um, but for, but for Texas, it's not that for Texas. And again, it's, I don't know. They get mad at me cause I'm not all over Steve Sarkeesian like everybody else for some reason, but in a good, you mean in a good way? They don't, they don't like that. You're not all over his jock or whatever in a good way. Like they just think he's, he's God's gift to football for some reason. Uh, um, pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good offensive mind, but yeah, no, for sure. Are, is that what we're We're giving out trophies now for people that are good at. They got a Big Ten, Big Twelve championship trophy that they've got in their case. That's right now. I don't respect that at all. No, oh, okay. okay. I mean, they had to beat one team to get there, and they didn't even beat them. Well, here, here's what I would say <laughs> for Texas. Here's my, here's is it, my. Is it receivers? Maybe because they have they have a, now they they added via the transfer portal. That's that's why sure. this is all so hard. But you you just you assume everybody assumes when you add someone via the portal, you're gonna like they're awesome. Mm. And that's not always the case. It's very rarely that that's the case, especially offensive line or, or whatever. Uh, so Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, uh, Brooks, uh, Jontavian Sanders, even the backup running back, who's also the kick returner, Robinson is gone. Basically, five of their top six all-purpose yards guys are gone off Texas. They do lose both of their defensive tackles as well in, in Sweat and Murphy. So like you could point to the interior of the defensive line, or you could point to the receiving core around Quinn Ewers. Now, because they're bringing back a really good offensive line and Quinn Ewers, I am less concerned about the receiving core, if that makes sense. Because if you are, if you're very good in college football along the offensive line and at quarterback, almost everything else will fall into place. You can win a conference championship with a great quarterback and a great offensive line. If Texas gets that next year. Could you make the argument that uh, Arch has got more experience with the backups that are going to have to step up and be st- oh, I mean, stop I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, maybe even for you, that's a stretch. Big maybe guy. it's time to, to switch to arch, see what we really got here. No, but, stop uh, it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Quinn Ewers has gotten better. He's reigning champion. They put up, what do they put up record numbers against Oklahoma state in the big 12 championship game? So wait, I, could, I, so could they you do be, lose a lot around him? Could, could Quinn Ewers be better? Maybe significantly better. But not put up as not be yeah. as productive because because of yeah. all the, the the uncertainty around him. I I think that's absolutely the case. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you could be better. You he could be he could progress as an NFL prospect and make better decisions and be more efficient and the production and the numbers not be as good. And Texas lose more games. Also, the schedule is harder. Let's just be honest. The schedule is more difficult now. So I I agree with that. I think you were, I think that's actually. What I would pick to happen is, but they are preseason top five team right now in America. They got the easiest, one of the easiest slates in the SEC, though, for some reason. Yeah, the defending national champs up there. Well, that's true. That keeps them out of the playoff. That one non-conference game could keep you out of the playoffs. So, um, 
I mean, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Kentucky, Florida. Those are I mean, all they're, bottom they're half gonna, teams. They're going to be favored in every road game. Oklahoma, Georgia, A&M. All you got to do is go two and one against Oklahoma, Georgia, and A&M. If you go two and one against them, you still probably get to 10 and two, which probably puts you into the playoff. I just feel M- like minimum. It, how often can an SEC team say favored in every away game? No, I mean, man. that's that's Georgia and Alabama territory. You know what? And, and that's probably it. So we're getting some comments here about the secondary. I think they, they put a couple of guys into the NFL out of that secondary. Um, defensive tackle is you can't, it's hard to lose those two guys and not have that be the biggest area of concern, but the bodies they got coming back, the recruiting uh, also keep in mind, they lose Bo Davis defensive line coach to LSU mm-hmm. and you're replacing your two nose tackles. I, I lean towards that position more than the supporting cast to yours. Cause I trust it's sort of like you're trusting of Elko right on the defense for Texas A&M. I trust Sarkeesian and a veteran quarterback and a good offensive line to solve problems. I, it's hard to replace 700 pounds of dude in the tackles and your court and your defensive line coach. That that's a lot to replace along the defensive line. And that could be the difference in nine and three and 10 and two. What do you think is more? Um, I'm trying to search for the word here. More likely. I guess, that's probably a poor choice too, but that Texas comes into the sec with something to prove week in week out or that, these SEC teams want to just beat the shit out of Texas and be like, Ha-ha, yes, this ain't the Big Twelve. I mean, wh- wh- which yes. one is is more likely? Yes, answer is yes. No, you got to pick one. You can't pick both. The answer was the same for last year. Like, is Texas motivated to beat the shit out of t- Big Twelve teams as they leave the conference, or are Big Twelve teams motivated to knock Texas off on their way out of the conference? And the answer was both. So I think the answer is both. Texas comes in with a large chip on its shoulder and losing in a playoff game a huge chip on their shoulder and t- and the SEC f- teams have a huge chip on their shoulder saying welcome to the conference. Now, traditionally, when teams step up in competition, it takes some time. TCU goes into the Big 12, they didn't go 12 and 0 every year. It took some time to get back to being let's, very very Let's good. pick a loss here. Let's pick a Michigan not, and Georgia. Michigan non- and Georgia. Non Michigan. I'm saying SEC that they that they are Oh, they, they could lose I'm to t- AM. They could lose to AM easily. I'm telling them right easily. now, you know, you can't go through this league win, 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 win. I mean, they, they all think they're wins. Everybody does this. And then Oh, they could go nine and three and and, all, and three losses. They could beat Michigan and then lose to Oklahoma, Georgia, and AM. Arkansas to to Bobby's point, Arkansas, that's a huge old rivalry. Beat them last time up there in Texas, I believe, or up there in Arkansas. How about Kentucky down in Austin? Uh, that doesn't scare me as much. But but Aren't you big Brock Vandegrift? Have you been grift yet? No, I don't know. Vandegrifted? I don't know what that means. I'm trying to. The the grift is real. (laughs) Yeah, that's that sounds negative. Uh, They, you know, they're they're going to have a a saying if he's awesome, like you just got brocked or something stupid. I I hope not. That sounds bad. All right, take the schedule down. Uh, I think they could absolutely go nine and three and be almost as good as they were last year, but it. Utah goes into the Pac-12, dominant team in the Mountain West. Takes some time before they get back to being. Utah. It mm-hmm. almost always takes time to, to now. Is this the same upgrade? It's not the same as going from the Mountain West to the Pac 12. Texas was 12 and 1 last year. They beat Alabama on the road. So, like, can they, what does it look like? I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Go, give me Ole Miss, though, because I'm curious. I had the tough time with Ole Miss because I think there's a broad question of overall talent. Like, uh, is the overall talent good enough to be a championship contender? 
I still have a major question about that. I still have, I could still ask that about Jackson Dart. I can ask that about Lane Kiffin. Mm -hmm. But collectively, I don't find a glaring weakness. Is that where, where's your concern with Ole Miss? Running back now. And I think it's funny. They think it's just going to be plug and play. Lane Kiffin's awesome. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, we're not playing for stats anymore. We're not playing for scoring 40 points a game and then losing. If we do that, this is a horrible year. Like, this is playoff or bust. And then not even just making the playoff, I think they expect to win a playoff game or two or it, compete for a national championship. And without Judkins, I, th I think that may lose them a game that they're not expecting to lose because he's just such a beast. More than anything on defense, that concerns you? Yeah, because that, that's not their game anyway. I mean, they're going to give up against quality teams. Right. They're going to be giving up 20 to 30 points probably a game. But doesn't that get them in a, in a close game with an elite team? Like, I mean, if you put, again, the Alabama game, right, this past year. They're, they're, and maybe, I, I don't know if Judkins would have made, if you say that Judkins is the difference in a game like Alabama. Mm -hmm. But, like, they gave up, they only gave up 24, but they that was enough. Like, they, they couldn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm making your argument for you. I don't know. Um, but it's I interesting. Just I just couldn't find a glaring many week. games like that. You can find good running backs though, and you can develop good running backs. Maybe not as good as him, but well, okay, maybe not, you're right. We're not trying maybe to be right. good. We're trying to be elite. I thought. I thought that's what this all year was about. I, I'm the one. I agree, but I don't think they can. I don't think Ole Miss can do that. And to not, the great, not because they're Ole Miss. I just Stephen Lassen's point. Everybody likes to devalue these running backs. I didn't watch a lot of Michigan, but the few games I watched, they had two, particularly the national championship game, two good running backs. And, that's they, yeah, and but they that's devalued what, him. That's what Ohio State has. You know what I mean? It's two. Oh, yeah. They're, they're following that blueprint. No, no. Ohio State has two elite All-American running backs. Donovan Edwards, who broke off the two long touchdown runs for Michigan, had mm -hmm. been dropped to the third team. He was benched. Michigan was – he had been – they had well, Like I said, him, I watched so. – Two of their games this year, <laughs> and he, he looked good in the one. You know, the he was battered. he was great. He was Corum is a is a is a stud. Cor, Corum Blake Corum was a stud. Mm -hmm. um, and to your point, Ohio State has two of them. There's no question. Henderson coming back and Judkins is elite. Now, like Tennessee, for example, had three guys last year that were really really good, and two of them are gone. But I I trust Dylan Sampson to be pretty damn good this year. So I'm not as worried about that. Uh, mm -hmm. Missouri, where are you at on Missouri? What are you worried about? Well, uh, I mean, could I say running back again? I, d I don't know that, uh, you know, they're just not going to be able to replace Cody uh, Schrader so easily. But I, I think the offense will be fine, so that's probably that's probably not a, a great place to go. They lost some outstanding players in the secondary. I two think that – Two starting corners, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's probably where I'm at because particularly with a new defense of coordinator – Hopefully the system doesn't dr drastically change, but I was I was slightly disappointed in Missouri. I mean, and that's hard to say because again, we're grading on a curve here. They just won eleven games, but I was slightly disappointed with Missouri's defense last year because they were so good two years ago, and I I won't say they held them back because clearly they didn't, but I thought they'd be one of the better units in the SEC. And and again, not that they were bad, but. They were not elite, elite, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that's my question about Missouri and Ole Miss as programs. And I, and they're just sort of the 
the cutouts right now that take the place of like don't recruit in the top 12 programs can you ever have elite elite talent and i don't know if you can i think you need special things to happen and, and finding a cody schrader with brady cook and baker as coordinator and my question about missouri is veteran leadership on defense you lose two senior corners a senior middle linebacker in in, in hopper and you lose an edge rusher in robinson i i think it's about the veteran leadership on the, on the defense that to your point they weren't elite but you're losing your coordinator and you're losing some of your veteran pieces that kind of keep everything in place I, I, that's my question. Now the schedule sets up nicely for both Missouri and Ole Miss, but I think, I think the reason Ole Miss is ahead of Missouri in rankings and early preseason rankings is because of the veteran leadership that Missouri is lo- losing primarily on defense, but on both sides, honestly. But I, I think it's the, the, the back seven, if you want to call it that in a year where quarterback play is going to be really good in this conference, your back seven is you're losing a, a star linebacker, two starting corners, safety. I, I, that would be my concern is the veteran leadership off the defense. That's my question. Yeah, fortunate for them. They don't have to face Nico. You know what? <laughs> yes, because the defense struggled so mightily with the Tennessee Volunteers last year. Nico didn't play. He's undefeated against Mizzou last I checked. Yeah, sure. Um, all right. Alabama. Let me go to Bama here. And if I misspoke on Love It, I I, I – I, I apologize about that. Um, I don't. I didn't know if he was coming back or not. Um, so I said I said corrected on that one. Alabama it, wide receiver, defensive back, offensive line. What are the three you're going? What are the three you're going for? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think people want to go with uh, quarterback, but I don't think that's right. I think Jalen Milrose pretty. I'm telling you, they hate him. Who's they? they? Who's people they? people are telling me watch for Ty Simpson. I'm like, oh my god, okay. But uh, <laughs> I think I think they're fine. I'm, I'm with you for the I'm for you. I'm with you for the record. Jalen Milrow is awesome. So. Uh, and they got a quarterback whisperer and coordinator that are going to make maximize his talent. So I think uh, probably receiver, knowing what DeBoer likes to do. I mean, how crazy is it though that uh, offensive line receiver quarterback and maybe arguably running back all downgraded from where he was at knowing that he's at Alabama now. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, That's crazy. Crazy. uh, Receiver. Yes. Quarterback is, uh, that's about even Michael Penix. Um, I think say, I think so. Offensive line play the Texas tape. Offensive line is the pro you mean his second ever career start. Give me a break, dude. No, I'm saying Penix against Texas. You're saying, my God, that was like a clinic. He looked like no, Aaron no, Rogers no, no. Penix, well, right, but Penix is a, f- a fifth-year senior with elite receivers and the best offensive coordinator. And Jalen Miro was in his second game with Tommy Reese calling plays. I think there's some context that's important to remember here. I think Jalen Miro is the least of the problems for Alabama that I'm worried about. So I don't even it's still, like it's still a downgrade. Him. Fine, but a slight one. I'm, the receiving core is a to me a big. The offensive line is the biggest question. Yeah, in, in, my, in my opinion, and then on D, it's the secondary. You're losing. You're losing Arnold and McKinstry in the secondary, and your best player maybe on the entire team transferred to Ohio State and Caleb Downs. So the secondary, which Nick Saban has traditionally restocked very quickly, now it's going to be restocked with a whole new coaching staff. Three starting All-American level players are gone. The offensive line loses All-American left tackle potentially. The center transfers out because, you know, the Rose Bowl made him cry. And and then they got guys going, and then the other, and then Latham's going pro. So they've got like four new starters on the offensive line, entirely new secondary, and and who's in the who's the receiver that is the star playmaker? There, there are Milrow is the least of their concerns. The quarterback See, I, is 
the I least think of they're their like the new, I guess Washington, you could say. But I, I was really going to say Ole Miss, where they're not going to get these low. They're they're going to try to outscore you. That's why I think receivers a bigger issue because, yeah, all the things you said are valid, but they're not going to, they're not trying to score in the twenties and win a the game. They're they're going to try to get the. 35-40 to win these football games. I, I don't under think the, under the board year one. I think now, I know they're losing both pass rushers, right? Turner and uh Braswell. But I don't think I don't I don't think the defense takes a huge step back. Like they're pretty they're pretty loaded on that side. And I think Kane Womack is an is an excellent hire and is gonna have them playing really good football on that side of the ball. I think Milrow makes up for a lot of deficiencies on offense with a great scheme, which we know Grubb and DeBoer will bring. Ultimately, the question for Bama is, again, I think it's – that's why offensive line is the one I circle. Like, I just think it's the offensive line. But I I understand where you're coming from as well. Tennessee, where are you going with Tennessee? Do they have a question mark? Um, Probably (laughs) – 121st. 121st in in completion percentage allowed last year. Almost dead last year. Yeah, but we we got rid of all those guys. So they've upgraded. They're second year sophomore, outstanding sophomore class. They've added some transfers. I'm telling you, they could be locked down back here. It's the back back seven is the question. When's the last superstar linebacker that they had? I mean, like, true stud. Keenan Peely. Henry Toa Toa. Toto is pretty good. (laughs) But... Um, (laughs) Uh, I about, mean, like, uh, no, like, give me like the, the guy, old middle um, line, the old Tennessee middle linebacker. Jalen Reed Maven was awesome. God, that, how long ago was that? <laughs> it was a long time. That was pre Pruitt. He's, he's still playing in the NFL. I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, he made a tackle for the Lions. I think this weekend. Uh, yeah, he played exactly. for the Lions. No, the back seven is my question. They have not had like true like I'm talking the Eric Berries and Kevin like those like when I was in school at Tennessee, it was the 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 Kevin Burnett's <laughs> of the world. Colton like Jumper. AJ Johnson. Yeah, there you go. There, there's just not a dog. There's not a dog back there in those back in the back six, let's call it. Let's let's put four or five down linemen here and run run a run an odd front if you want. Because I think the front is going to get better. I think the front's going to have a chance. Even though they lost Baron, I think the front's going to get better. So if Tennessee's NIL was as corrupt as, as they're trying to make it, <laughs> they'd have Caleb Downs right now. They would. Right? They they're would. not they're not investigating Ohio State who their collective announced his commitment before he did. <laughs> oh, that's that's not suspicious. Let's go investigate them. Yeah, Tennessee. I'm not worried about Tennessee's defensive line. I think the defensive line is going to be good. I think with Thomas and Pierce and the the younger players that hopefully are being developed, I think they're in good shape there. It's the back seven that is concerned. Again, one of the most inefficient defenses in the country <laughs> last year. And they're going to play against really good quarterbacks this year, right? They're going to play against a lot of good quarterbacks this year. So Going to outscore um, every one of them. Uh, th- well, well, we shall see, but uh, I'm not as worried about the rest. The receiving core got a boost with McCoy coming back. You still got Samson at running back. I think the O-line's in good shape. Quarterback's good. Heupel trusts the offense. It's about the back seven on the defense. Uh, LSU here. Uh, these are all the contenders in my mind. These We've gone through every contender that can make the playoff, in my opinion. Uh, LSU, I- I'm going defensive line, front seven. Mason Smith, Makai Wingo, gone. Uh, they do bring in Bo Davis, as I mentioned, but uh, we'll see here. Defensive backs, yeah, they've been awful. DB, they have, they DB, awful. not you anymore. Transfer yeah. you. Two two years in a row of transfers that didn't work for LSU. So got to get that figured out with Corey Raymond, who yeah. he has regressed about three or four years in a row. He's got a great reputation, long track record. Hopefully, he can get it corrected. 
and and a new coordinator in Blake Baker. I I, I think the front seven. More, more so the defensive line. You, you lose two potential NFL players because um, you can fix, you, you can fix the secondary with some pressure on the quarterback, to to some some to some extent. So maybe that's where Tennessee is too. They think they can help the secondary with pressure in the quarterback. Um, that I don't know. Offensive lines can be really good for LSU. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with Nussmeyer. You know they'll find dudes at receiver and running back. I'm not worried about that. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go front line. Secondary. Dale, Dale knows Thank what's up. Knows. Yeah, there you go, Dale. Dale Rice. Okay, Florida. I mean, here, here's what I wrote down for Kentucky, South Carolina, Arkansas. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. <laughs> special teams for Florida. How about that? And they just hired a special teams. I don't know if he's a coordinator. I don't think he is, but if the, if they're not as dreadful there, they they may have won. They may have went to a bowl game last year. I, I think receivers also, they got a lot of second year guys with promise. Um, I, maybe that's not that big of a question mark, but they, they're going to need to step up. I think big time. How about defensive coaching staff? <laughs> that's, that's my area of Across concern. The board. Yeah. That's my, yeah. that's my area of concern for, <laughs> for Florida, uh, is the entire defensive coaching staff. Prove, prove to us what you got. Um, cause they're, they're trying to fix it in the portal. They're bringing in a ton of portal guys. We're gonna have a big Florida conversation, by the way, over on the 440 sports platform, a, a big, uh, Sit down with with some folks that cover the Florida Gators. So, so swing on by, and, and if you're a Florida fan or want to want to learn about Florida, we did about a 35 minute deep dive into the Gators. Uh, they're bringing the, like seven of their top eight transfers are defensive players. They brought in Ron Roberts. That the offense could still be pretty good. The question is the defense to me. I, I, the defense is the problem. So offensive line for Kentucky, South Carolina, Arkansas. I went wide receiver for Auburn. Like I, I, I don't know why they're sticking with Peyton Thorne, but that's what they're doing. But I think he will make him better because he's going to call plays. So you got a good running back. I think you got to find some playmakers because the defense is pretty good. So yeah, yeah. Receivers for Auburn, they're they've been awful. They did sign a uh, touted tight end. Maybe he yeah. can contribute. But I heard I heard they got a great tight end last year. He didn't do much either. Yeah. Vanderbilt, all things. Just all. How about Kentucky? You're saying offensive line for Kentucky? I'd say quarterback. Well, I. I'm not putting as much, I don't have as much expectation for him. Does that make sense? We've talked about this. Like I had expectations for Leary and that was wrong. I was wrong about that. But I don't have expectations for Vandergriff. I, I expect them to develop him. Are we going to get Brocked? <laughs> it's so that's, weird. Stop that's trying to make it a thing. I don't know why you're trying to make it a thing. It's going to be, it's going to be something by the end Stop of the Stop trying to make fetch happen. Stop. Yep. What about uh, Mississippi State? Where are you at with Mississippi State? Did you say. Offensive line for South Carolina as well. <laughs> <laughs> the offensive line. How is it not the offensive line? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, how about stopping the run too? I mean, they've just been god awful yeah. stopping the run. So I, I'll switch it up and do that. The other line of scrimmage. Okay. Be, being poor on the off, on the line of scrimmage is is not where you want to be in this league. Obviously. No, it's not. Poor Spencer Rattler actually produced in the face of all of that last year, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Very difficult schedule and a bad offensive line. Um, Mississippi, Mississippi State, where are you State, at? I, State. Yeah, real quickly here to wrap uh, up. With that offense they want to run, we, we need to see what they've got at receiver because I don't know that they have much. I don't know what Mississippi State is. I don't know what they're going to be in 2024. I know what Jeff, I know what system Jeff Levy wants to run. I know what, what, what kind of offense he wants to execute, but – I don't know. It feels like they're yo-yoing back and forth from identity to identity, and I don't know if they know what they are yet. 
that makes sense. And I know that it's like a constant running joke where those fans get so damn mad about getting picked dead last in the West, even though they rarely got picked dead last well, in the they West. Won't be, they won't be picked last in the West this year. Well, that's true. So. But if we were doing it, I mean, they're, they would be clearly slam dunk last proje- projected, right? And, uh, no. Put Arkansas there. Um, Vanderbilt's 16. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a I'm debate. I'm saying just the West. I'm saying just the West. Oh, I mean, that which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, South right. Carolina. I think Ar- I think East. South. I think South Carolina, Arkansas, and Mississippi State are three teams that are on the same tier. And mm-hmm. so if that's your question about former teams in the West, then it would be Arkansas, Mississippi State. I don't know who I like better yet. I need to see how the rosters turn out. Yeah, I, I have South Carolina slightly ahead of Arkansas and Mississippi State, but I could be convinced of any of those teams. to When we go to Dallas and pick our ballots, I'm not sure, but I, I don't think I'm going to have anybody in the bottom four other than those four. Um, Vanderbilt will be last. Um, I think the next tier is Kentucky, Auburn, and Florida, and I haven't figured out there's still a long way to go before we figure out between those three. And then I think there's the, there's another tier of playoff contenders. And then there's the top tier, which is like Georgia, Alabama, Texas. Do we, did we do one? For, I don't think we did one for Arkansas. Did we, do you I say, mean, offensive I, said off, line? I said uh, offensive line for me is the key. <laughs> so it's just offensive of lines everywhere. It's offensive <laughs> line everywhere. Hmm. Quarter, a quarterback for me. Yeah. It, quarterback and offensive line are now like the easiest answer to every, Hey, what's your team's biggest question? It's, it's almost always, if you have a starting quarterback, it's offensive line. The number of teams that have both is just very small in college football now. Mm-hmm. Like in the SEC, how many teams have an established star quarterback and a really good offensive line? Georgia. Maybe Tennessee, but that's a maybe with the quarterback. Um, Texas, yes. Uh, other than that, there's a question for Alabama on offensive line, Oklahoma for offensive line, LSU, Garrett Nussmeyer is the question. Maybe he's pretty good. Ole Miss and Missouri are kind of two established quarterbacks. Offensive line should be good. Right. But there's not many teams that have both. There's not many teams that have both. And and I that's around the country, not just the SEC. So, mm. All right. What else you got? I got to get, get going Major here. violations. Major violations coming. Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't. Arkansas. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Check out the 440 Sports YouTube page. we got shows coming up. we got preseason rankings about all the teams ranked in our preseason top 25. We're going to have those up on the website. Uh, We've got a big deep dive into Florida. My conversation with Paul Feinbaum, Brandon Marcello, Josh McQuiston, Jeff Ketchum. All that stuff is over there on the website. Uh, We've got all kinds of fun stuff, hopefully, for USC football fans. So give us a subscription. We would appreciate it uh, at 440 Sports, of course, on the YouTube. For Michael Bratt and I'm Braden Gall, thank you for listening. This has been SEC Football Live.